0: Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the 325th episode of Awards Chatter, the Hollywood Reporters Awards podcast. I'm the host, Scott Feinberg, and my guest today is one of the most talented, beautiful, and charming actresses of her generation. She's only 25, but she has already starred in a movie that helped to revive the rom-com genre, 2018 Set It Up, in Ryan Murphy's first TV series for Netflix, the Golden Globe-nominated and Emmy-contending The Politician, which debuted in 2019, and in one of the best-reviewed films of the first quarter of 2020, Buffaloed, a Wolf of Wall Street-esque dramedy, which she also produced, about a young hustler with big dreams, Zoe Deutsch. Over the course of our conversation at the offices of The Hollywood Reporter, the daughter of Back to the Future actress Leia Thompson and Pretty in Pink director and acting coach Howie Deutsch reflected on her journey through anxiety and bullying into show business, how she learned to stop caring, or at least to care less, about other people's opinions, after starring in the somewhat divisive 2017 movie Flower, what is at the root of her chemistry with Glenn Powell, the actor with whom she starred in 2016's Everybody Wants Some and in Set It Up, and with whom she is set to reunite in 2021's Most Dangerous Game, why she is particularly proud of her two most recent projects, Murphy's The Politician, in which she stars opposite Ben Platt and Jessica Lange, and Tanya Wexler's Buffaloed, a true star vehicle that has industry insiders buzzing, plus much more. And so without further ado, let's go to that conversation. Zoe, thank you so much for coming in and doing this. Great to have you. Always begin with just a few basics, as you may know from, I, I appreciate you said you've listened to this before. Where are you?
1: 314, <laughs> every single one.
0: Where were you born and raised and what did your folks do for a living? I think you have a more interesting answer than a lot of people.
1: I was born and raised in Los Angeles and my mother is an actress and a director and my father is a director and a producer. My sister is a (laughs) writer, actress, singer. My grandma was a painter. My other grandma (laughs) was in music. My grandpa was in music. My other grandpa was a jazz drummer. (laughs) My uncle was an actor, unfortunately.
0: Well, so being surrounded by all of that, what was your sense growing up of the good, the bad, and the ugly parts of this business that you eventually decided you want to get into? What was, what did, what was your sense just around you of, you know, what you would potentially be signing up for?
1: First and foremost, that it's a job and a job that you really got (laughs) to (laughs) love. You know, I think one of the, one of the great blessings and and, um, gifts of being surrounded by people in, in this industry is that I, I was given permission, like I knew it was possible. You know, that's, that's a whole other element that I, that I have to just first, you know, it, it, with nepotism and like, there's all that stuff, but really like the gift of knowing that I, I can do it mm-hmm. and that it's an actual job and that it's possible to do it was very much so, again, a gift.
0: Did you feel that particularly your parents were encouraging or discouraging of you getting into this? A lot of people I hear, you know, the parents are in the business. They say like, do anything else. It's, I enjoy it, but it's like, you. I know how tough it can be. And I want to spare you that, or I want you to not feel like you have to exist in our shadow or whatever. Was that the sense? Or was it like, you know, whatever you want to do, go for it. I think
1: it was pretty split. My mom was very encouraging and, and I think knew from a very young age that's, that's what I wanted. That's what I, I was going to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I, my dad, I love him to death. I'm sure he would not be pleased to hear me say this, but I don't think he was the most supportive at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Understandably so, you know, the, the, the pain and the trauma of, you know, watching his wife and go through everything that she's had to go through as an actress and then potentially having to witness his daughter in, in similar situations. It's, it's, um, That kind of pain maybe could be twofold if it's (laughs) witnessing it through your child. I don't know. But yeah, I think he he probably would have preferred me to be a lawyer doctor (laughs) literally anything else
0: so your sister is what three years old or something like that three
1: and a half years older yeah
0: so did she also get into this stuff before you or did you did it work in the opposite
1: I'm sure my dad woke up one day and he was like fuck I have a (laughs) daughter who's going to college for jazz vocals and (laughs) another daughter who's on the Disney channel and I end up here (laughs) what did I do wrong yeah, she was more focused um, growing up. I mean, growing up, I was very much so vying for any attention from people <laughs> because my sister was just massively accomplished in so many different areas of her life. She was this champion horseback rider, like conversations of, oh, is she going to train for the Olympics? And meanwhile, I literally couldn't <laughs> get on the horse. And she was this extremely talented singer, songwriter, traveling all over the world, scholarships and things and she was just good at everything. And I was like, Maddie's little sister. And I was like, then I went into the one thing that she wasn't doing, which was acting.
0: (laughs) Well, and that itself is kind of surprising only in the sense that I read, and I'm going to quote back to you, quote, I came into this world with anxiety. I used to hold my breath from anxiety when I was a baby and it would make me faint, close quote. So if that's an accurate quote, why would someone like that choose to get into a hobby and then a profession where you got to submit yourself to the judgment and eyeballs of a lot of other people.
1: Because I'm fucking nuts. (laughs) And you should know that after doing how many interviews with actors. No, no, no. No, but that is a wild um, thing. It's called fainting baby disorder. And I want to talk to the doctor who came up with that really literal (laughs) name. Most names, most things, disorders have some nuance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's absolutely no, there's just, it's exactly what it is. But yeah, I would hold my breath and make myself faint. Deliberately or just
0: by being stressed? Whenever I was nervous or
1: scared or stressed. So if there was any question of if the Jewish DNA was (laughs) strong in my blood, there's, you need not ask anymore. Dad's side, not mom's side, right? Yeah. But my mom's the one, you know, like all.
0: We'll still count. Well, you'd like to count you. I did the mikvah and I did the whole, I
1: I was, I'm a, I'm a, my mom's the one who like leads the Pesach Seder and everything, even though she's the Minnesotan (laughs) VV, not Jewish one. Um. Where were we? Oh, anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I've come to, I think I came to a place where my anxiety, which everybody I think suffers with anxiety, ended up becoming my superpower, not my kryptonite, Mm -hmm. you know, for lack of a less lame (laughs) way of saying it. It motivates me. It's the thing that gets me up and and moving and going. So I'm very actually grateful for it.
0: What do you think generally triggers the anxiety? It's not performing in front of other people. It's something else or what would it what would it be? Driven by?
1: Hmm, every, everything. No, per, well, yeah. Before, oh, oh, speech. Anything. I'm always anxious, but that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. that's okay. You just it's like about harnessing it and and kind of chipping away at what with all those little things. But yeah, I mean, I was always very I, from a very young age. I was I always loved to perform. I always would put on like little plays and shows and cry when Barbie was down on her luck <laughs> and when. <laughs> Ken crashed the dream car and, you know, whatever. I, I I was really involved in in making people feel and laugh. There's no greater feeling in the world. You know, that was a huge priority in our in our in my family is a great sense of humor. So mm-hmm. I, I, I I don't know. Yeah.
0: So it sounds like if you were having fainting baby syndrome, then the answer <laughs> is yes, the anxiety does predate what I'm about to ask you about, which is supposedly you transfer schools when you're 14, skip a grade, graduate early. That's on the one hand, obviously you must be an very, unbelievable bullshitter. Well, a bullshit or a good, good student or whatever it is. But that can also, I, I would guess, cause a little bit of like being in social purgatory because you're not really with any group consistently all the way through your childhood. Was that a fun time? Middle school and high school?
1: well i did have a consistent group the people my closest friends are still okay. my closest friends that i've had my whole life from elementary and middle school um Middle school is not a good time. I I did have to leave my school from some classic bully situations. But like, uh, what are
0: they bullying you about? You're you, I don't think you were you know, there's the typical like we have an idea of what like the nerds are and the people that right. get like, yeah, picked on. I don't think that's what we're No, talking and I've about. always
1: been very outspoken and very confrontational and very like, don't fuck with me. <laughs> like I came out of the womb, like, don't. Right. you know. But yeah, I agree. It was I think my mom was really shocked when she found out it was boys. Boys were, you know. Brutal.
0: What was that trying to flirt or what was I don't know.
1: Some yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then it, you know, ended up being the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. I got to go to um, Los Angeles County High School for the Arts, which is a public arts high school downtown performing arts. And that was the best. I was surrounded by like-minded people, people who with purposive behavior, people that that wanted so much out of life and were willing to work hard for it. That was the other thing that being raised by people that are in the business, I I saw their work ethic. I saw Mm -hmm. their hustle, their drive. You got to work so, so hard, honestly. And I, that was instilled in me in a very young age. And it was really neat to be around other like-minded people, other people willing to put in the work.
0: And that school is a place where you are encouraged to be auditioning for professional stuff while you're in school or no?
1: Most kids that were working if they wanted to work and go to school, they would go to Campbell Hall, like mm-hmm. the Fanning and the Olson. Like mm-hmm. they all went to Campbell Hall, mm-hmm. which is um, a school here in L.A. But uh, so it was a little tricky. And um, I started auditioning pretty, pretty shortly after I got into Loxa, which was I don't think they were the most stoked about. But
0: Who's that? Your, the school? Or yeah, your, the school. How would your parents feel about now while in school still going out for professional auditions?
1: I think right before then I started to go down a pretty not great path and I think my mother was smart enough to see that if I if I had something that I really cared about that I could funnel all that energy into that rather than going down a not so mm. great path. Right. So, I think she was just like, "Okay, sure, go go that way. Go right <laughs> instead of left."
0: And what was the kind of response to you when you were when you started auditioning at 1415 is a awkward age for anybody, let alone somebody who's now, again, having to be submitted for judgment by others and working professionally on top of just trying to stay above water with everything else. So what do you remember about these? I mean, because it does seem like you started working pretty quickly. I think the first thing was what you mentioned, Disney Channel, Sweet Life on Deck.
1: Yeah, my illustrious career and awards chatter. Sweet yes, uh, Life to... of Zach and Cody. <laughs> I know everyone. Is, and uh, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean, lo- uh, love interest on uh, that. I, I can't yes. say I've seen all your episodes, but I I uh, read about it. And then right after that, I guess another recurring part on CW with the, with Ringer. So what? I mean, you're working quickly. What was the? Did that boost your confidence?
1: Well, the, it was a. A little. It was probably not the best situation that I. My first audition was for that Disney Channel show. First audition ever. Really. And I got that, and that was probably not a great thing because then the <laughs> next ninety nine things I auditioned <laughs> for, I was like, wait a minute, what am I doing wrong? I also, wow, well, I haven't thought of this, and forever, but I just remembered that the outfit that I wore, to that audition for the Disney show, yeah. I thought. It was the outfit. So I just wore it <laughs> every to time. every audition. And then I think that the one time after like the 99 that I didn't get that I changed the sweater. I got that one. So <laughs> you heard it here first. This it is wasn't big news. the sweater that got me the job, but I thought it was. Anyway, no, I mean, it was interesting for your first job to be a sitcom. And that kind of sitcom, it's very like... <laughs> it has like vaudevillian roots almost, and it's very like shticky and big, and there's a live audience. And you know, sitcoms are cutthroat. A joke doesn't work at a table read, it's cut. You're live taping, no one's laughing or whatever, it's cut. Like it's, re- it's an ever changing, ever moving, slapsticky play. And why, to why get into it? that kind of a zone after they had been working together for six years, it was really, I think it was good for me. It was just, it, it was. It's unlike any other type of acting. Uh, it's, you know, like there's Shakespearean, there's, you know, there's, you got comedy, you got drama, you got, they got like that kind of slapsticky sitcom y thing is so specific to that world.
0: So, what you guys shot it on the Disney lot or where'd you do it?
1: Uh, Formosa, New Formosa. Okay, yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah.
0: Um, and why do you think, because I mean, you've played a lot of comedic parts. Do you think they saw, And I don't know if this one, this part particularly was even comedic, but it's a sitcom, so I'm imagining there's probably some humor for for even, you know, for all characters there. Why do you think they went for you for that first part?
1: Someone said something to me recently that was really interesting. They said oftentimes actors get, especially early on in their career, the type, whatever your natural defense is when you're nervous— Those are the kind of parts that you get early on in your career. So when I'm nervous, I get like, it's a show, tap dance, you know, like I get super performative and goofy and some people get shy and quiet Mm -hmm. and those are the kind of parts they get, especially early Mm -hmm. on. Um, But yeah, that's why I think that went that way.
0: So those two, you know, early episodic TV and then first film role, but not the last one with your, the first film role was not the last one that you did with your immediate family. This is a movie called Mayor Cupcake, 2011. You're co-starring with both your mom and your sister. I guess, is that a cool way to dip your toe into film acting? Probably. Or is, I mean, it's dangerous sometimes to work with people that you're close to. You often, a lot of people end up getting divorced when they, after <laughs> they've, so what was, what was that?
1: Well, I can't divorce my no, mom or can't. sister. Unfortunately. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, I think what, what ends up happening is you have to really, communicate in a different way because your boundaries aren't set. You you know, when you're tired or stressed or upset, you can snap quicker if it's with people you're that close with.
0: Yeah. So what was looking on paper looks like it was to be the first big film role was The Amazing Spider-Man. This is 2012. (laughs) And I would think at that point in your life with only the credits that we've just talked about that must've been really exciting. I'm going to be in this big studio movie. Who knows what that will lead to? You go in and shoot your scene, scenes. It wasn't a big part from what I understand, but you go and do that. And then it doesn't end up in the final cut. How- not did you only think that, that
1: was, that was what was so interesting about that is that the scene that I was in, yeah. they that was the scene that they chose at, to show at Comic Con. Mm. So not only that, but I had all these people being like, "I can't believe you're the star of Spider Man." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "What? Yeah. I don't even have a line," and then it got cut. But um I did get to meet Emma Stone, and she was very nice to me, yes. and I have since worked with her, and <laughs> she has continued to be the. Most amazing person. I think, and I don't know if I'm getting the timeline of this right, but I think just a couple months. But so, the Amazing Spider-Man, I, I shot that, got cut out, and then also I got cast in this movie called Palo Alto. Yeah, I did rehearsals, and then the day I was supposed to start shooting, I got a call from my agent, like, "Oh no, you're being replaced by Emma Roberts," and no one ever the director, no one ever called me, nothing. So within that, you know, that was a a jarring few months, but also you know, it's, that it happens to, if you're in it long enough, Yeah, right. <laughs> it happens not once, not twice, but yeah. But know. at the
0: beginning of a career that can, that can, you know, be pretty disheartening. I would think when you don't have that perspective that it's going to, shit's going to happen. But
1: there was never, even when those things, even when those things still happen, there's never any question in my mind of if, or if I should keep going or am I going to keep going? I just always do like that, that there's no room for. I'm giving up. There's yeah. never been any room for that.
0: Because what would you what would you do if you weren't doing this?
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure, but I love what I do so much, and I'm so happy to be doing what I do that again. When shit gets bad, I'm never questioning if I if I should keep going mm-hmm. ever.
0: So, I think a larger audience than ever before probably. Saw you largest audience up to that point in these two movies that were sort of riding the craze of young adult novel adaptations, right after Hunger Games and um, what's the other one, Divergent Twilight and Twilight. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so now the two that you're a part of, 2013, Beautiful Creatures, as sort of a supporting part, and then the first lead, I think, of your career in Vampire Academy, 2014. Yeah. You have said, quote.
1: <laughs> what did I say?
0: My first couple jobs, I, d- I did two movies where I was the love interest and it was really, really hard because you're trying so hard to deepen it, root it, ground it into something it'll never be. Close quote. Did you find through those projects, even though they're probably, I would guess, you know, at that point, the nicer paychecks, the bigger project, you feel like this is this is what movies are, but that's not, you can't be that creative in a big machine type thing. Is that-
1: the two movies that I was referencing there were Dirty Grandpa and Why Him? Because okay. I was playing, and you know, this is not to discredit, the, I, I, they're very enjoyable movies, but yeah. I am, in a lot of ways, one-dimensional yeah. female character in a male-driven comedy, like sure. Call a Spade a Spade, you know, that, that is what it is, and you can do as much work and you can write as many jokes and you can try to come in there and and show up and service the story in the best way that you think you can but at the end of the day you can't fit a oh, square yeah. peg into a round hole. So that's what I meant with with th- those two. With that I just quote, realized right. that it doesn't it doesn't matter how yeah. hard I work. That is not what my how my character is servicing the story, which ultimately that's your job as an actor. You're you're not there to do what you think. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're
0: anyway. Yeah, well so, okay. So that those two were in 2016, which I want to come to in a second because that was like Seems like kind of a big year, and just the number of movies that came out that you were in. But going back to these like young adult type adaptations, you haven't done too many more movies of that sort since. Is that because that's not your cup of tea?
1: No, I mean I love. Look, they were both really interesting characters. Ultimately, like they in in Beautiful Creatures, I played this Southern Belle bitchy, you know, manipulative evangelical weirdo. And then in Vampire Academy, I played this intense, like, ass-kicking vampire slayer protector. So I loved playing those two parts. Yeah. They were fun. All
0: right. So 2016. And also
1: I got to learn, sorry, for Vampire Academy was really, really special about that experience. And the thing that I take away from it is that I... Got the experience of learning and getting a feel for stunts and and th- that kind of choreography. And now I have, I'm equipped with the confidence that, you know, when I go into these rooms and I go, no, I let me play right. Spider-Woman. And they're like, you don't. And I'm like, yes, I was a I dancer die. for half my life. And I did this action movie that, you know, it didn't quite turn out, but I know I can do it. Right. I love doing it. Give me this job. You know, I have that experience. Yeah. You know, when you walk away from all these little things and you have something new like that, yeah. then it's
0: worthwhile. you can't, yeah, you can't
1: yeah. sit there and regret. And
0: Well, all right. Just to, cause you mentioned dance, was that right alongside acting all the way through as, as like something you were equally, into and excited about, or was that I, just because I didn't even know that that was such a big thing for...
1: I loved dancing, but I wasn't yeah. that great at it. Okay. <laughs> by that great, I mean, I think I was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like, yeah, I don't think so that... So you was- made
0: the right call, which yeah, one no, to go no. f- I mean, that was never going to
1: be a... No. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. So...
1: Although I did have to mime in something the other, <laughs> like a week and a half ago, and I sent my mom the video. I like Corey. It, literally, all it said was my character's an amazing mimer. And I don't, I am not an amazing mimer, but I just put through something together. And my mom, I sent her the video and it's like a whole thing of me dancing around and miming. And my mom called me crying. And she was like, all those years of you dancing, like you weren't great. You were actually bad, but look, oh, I all paid pay it off. I was like, wait, this is what you're proud of. And also that was an insult. And like, no mom.
0: <laughs> That's so funny. Okay. So you mentioned 22 movies from 2016, Why Him and Dirty Grandpa. There were like four others that same year that came out that year. Was that a situation where something caused everybody to suddenly want to start working with you or just one of those things where like, I remember Jessica Chastain one year had like six movies as well. And it was just, it just happened that some of them got held up or there was something and they all came out basically at the same time. Was that for you? It looks like that would be a breakthrough year, but maybe it was over a long period of time.
1: I don't know. I have no idea. I didn't even know that. uh, <laughs> That they
0: all came out. There. I have
1: no idea. Yeah, it's all it all blurs together. No, I don't know. Yeah, there was definitely like a year though where I was never home, where I was on location the entire time. Must have been the year before yeah. that. Yeah, right, right. Twenty fifteen. <laughs> um, well, it when definitely you- wasn't that everyone was like, "Oh, the want to work." No, I was just auditioning <laughs> and like please hire me. I love to work and I want to work and put me to work.
0: So when you have those six movies come out in one year, I would guess that more than even when you were in the action movie or, or on Disney channel or whatever, you're now going to have more people knowing who you are. Maybe it affects your day-to-day life when you're not working and you're just out and people start now recognizing you or knowing about you or whatever. When did that happen and how did you handle people sort of knowing about you?
1: I don't know. I'm not sure. It's really um, felt incremental. Yeah. I'm not really famous, so it doesn't really matter. Like, it doesn't. I'm like a, just a working actor. I'm just steady going, keep trucking along. <laughs> and then 50 years later, I'm like, really? <laughs> She's still going?
0: Well, so when people do, when stranger does come up to you, let's wherever it is. You know, is there a demo that it tends to be? Like, what's the demo of your... If
1: I'm in Europe, it's yeah. Vampire Academy. yeah. Set it up is mostly what oh, I set it up. Right. I get a lot of. Right. I walk into office buildings and it's like, I feel like I'm like, <laughs> they're like, thank you. You see me. Cause I play in that movie. I play right. like an assistant, yes. a tortured assistant. Yes. So I'm huge um, right. with assistants. I get like a, <laughs> like a silent nod. Like, thank you. I feel seen, <laughs> represented.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, before, before that one came along, which I assume was probably the one that most people Think of maybe first. Or in a lot of cases, you've talked about another one of the 2016 movies. Everybody wants some as a meaningful one to get, particularly because it's Richard Linklater. It's sort of a sequel in a way to Days and Confused. He's discovered so many, not you know necessarily discovered, but really helped to launch a lot of talented people from McConaughey to Affleck and on and on and on. It's you and like a zillion guys just watched it again last night to stay fresh on it and. Is it correct to say that was like a particularly meaningful one to to get to be a part of?
1: Yeah, I, I think so, for sure. And the experience, you can separate experience from outcome, you know, you can. But that one, the, the experience was so special and he is so special that it all sort of blurred. like I'm just it was a very positive experience in general. But the audition, everything about it, he's so. It was such a. It's just different from anything else. Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember I was shooting a movie in Boston, put myself on tape, and he. They asked if I would fly in for the day to Austin, Boston to Austin, <laughs> and he picked me up at the airport, drove me to the audition, we went to lunch, and then I went to the audition. And I thought I was so confident that all my improv training that I had been in my whole life was going to be so useful. And that's what he does. He just turns on the camera and he just, everyone just is. That's why all of his movies work like that. And I come to find like, no, what's so special about him is he rehearses everything so much that the words become yours, but it's never any improv, not a word of improv is, is said on that, those sets. You've just rehearsed them together and, and made these scenes your own that the whole thing, yeah, that it feels like, yeah, yeah, he's just, he's the best, but yes.
0: Well, the the guy, (laughs) no,
1: no,
0: it's good. The Actor who you had most of your scenes with there is not the one who it seems like you ended up, you know, developing a particularly close friendship with afterwards. Right. Because I think it was on that set that those seeds of Set It Up were first planted. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Linklater was the first one to be like, Glenn Powell, Zoe Deutsch, you guys got to do something together. Your energy, you're both so... We were just like, ah, spar. I don't know how to say it in any other way. We were like constantly like going at each other in this very rom com way. Mm-hmm. And then he was going to set it up with, I think it was they cast Amelia <laughs> Clark.
0: Yeah. For a theatrical release, right?
1: And then MGM, I auditioned for it. When she dropped out, I auditioned and MGM did not want me. They said no. So I was like, oh, all right, well right, we'll find a different one. And then it went to Netflix and- I auditioned again and it was a no, and then I was like, "Let me get back in there." And then I, I won them over, but it was, it was, it was a double no before it was a yes.
0: What, how did you, <laughs> how you change their mind? What, would you remember what, what happened in I the th- room? God. I guess did you read with? Glenn? I did read
1: with Glenn. Yeah, I don't know what I, what, how I convinced them. I think it was Katie Silberman who convinced everyone, the writer. I yeah. don't, I think I, I don't know. I know she was on my side, but yeah, I don't know.
0: Well, so there were two years between the release of Everybody Wants Some and Set It Up. And so before we go any further with Set It Up, let's just go through what, what, what was there? going on in there.
1: <laughs> What's um, in there, Flower?
0: Well, first, I think in terms of release dates, Before I Fall. Oh, I
1: love that movie.
0: Which is sort of like a, a new, almost like Groundhog Day, right? Where young... Sad,
1: sad, sad emo, ground, yeah, not a, high school <laughs> Groundhog Day.
0: I mean, with I don't want to spoil it for people, but I mean, basically a girl. I mean, it's actually sort of like what's since hap- what's the show on Netflix now? Russian doll. Right. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's about a young woman who uh, who relives the last day of her life over and over and over again until she lives it right and becomes the person that she wants to be and be remembered as.
0: Was that your first time with a female director?
1: Was that my first time with a female director? Movie wise. Yeah. yeah. That does was- that make
0: it? Does that make a difference?
1: Yeah. I mean, I had, the, I had such an incredible bond with Ryu So Young. I still do. I, I just, I, I love her. I love that movie. Um, I'm really proud of that movie. It was also, it came at a very, very hard time in my life. A week before I went to go shoot that, my cousin passed away suddenly. He was um, very young. So I was mourning while dealing with death every day. And the way that we shot that movie, because- I relive the same day seven times. We had to block shoot it. I don't know if I'm going to explain this well, but for anybody listening yeah, that yeah. is a filmmaker, <laughs> this was a full nightmare, yeah. and I'll tell you why. So, if we're having shooting this scene right now, we would shoot my close up of day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven, then go into the wide, and I'd have to go seven, six, five, fourth. I'd have to remember all the different ways that I played the. Uh, does that make? Yeah, and absolutely. then I'd have to go to yours and then remember. And it was just so chaotic, and I had to like color code the days, and it was a very very demanding, very tricky part. And I loved it, but also uh, on top of that, my cousin, it was like a, yeah, but I was very grateful to Rye because she was so loving and just a a really kind captain of the ship.
0: It sounds like you guys only had 24 days to do all of that with all the blocking and stuff. That's not going to be a leisurely pace for that. Yeah. I was trying to think about it. And I think the first time that I might've seen you in anything was in Rebel in the Rye. Oh yeah? Which I guess- Unfortunately, because of, I think, timing wise with Mr. Spacey, it didn't get very widely seen. Is that that was out before they have to put that out? No, because all the money in the world was the one that came out after and that one they had to reshoot. But anyway, the point is you're playing Uno Neal, New York Socialite, being pursued by J.D. Salinger before he's anybody. Right. In this movie, which I think Danny Strong's first film directing debut. And just trying to think like, was that period piece? What I I don't know. Had you done a period piece? Because normally people are going to you for pretty like modern chicks.
1: I loved it just because, you know, I think what was the time? It was like I shot. Okay. I'm trying to remember. I shot. I just, I remember at that time I was doing, so I did like a a studio comedy and then I did this tiny little weird indie flower and then I did this sad introspective before and then I went and you know like I and then I did this period I felt like I was doing exercising so many different muscles which was really fun of course as an actor you're always attracted to whatever is the complete opposite of what you're doing at that exact moment so I felt fulfilled in that way that I was doing such different things and getting to work with my teachers on such different things and yeah
0: yeah Flower is really an interesting movie. I uh, just to summarize it is not easy. So tell me if this is if this is fair. My, um, my the
1: people in my family lovingly refer to it as the blowjob blow movie. The blowjob movie. I mean, yeah, grandma yep. calls it that. It's wonderful, <laughs> wonderful talk at the Thanksgiving yeah. table. Yeah, we're great in the blowjob movie dwelling, and people are like, "What? Yeah, <laughs> what did you just? Say? What did Pam just say?"
0: <laughs> well, so it's basically a young woman who has given. A lot of blowjobs generally in the service of entrapping adults who are bad enough to accept them. Right. And so that she can then blackmail them in order to bail out her father who's incarcerated.
1: And I honestly, even with that description, will say I think that's the movie I'm most proud of.
0: Yeah. I don't care
1: what people say or how offended X, Y, and Z were. I am. That was also, I think, a turning point for me in my life, my my human, my heart life, not my the bullshit career life, the perception, the yada yada stuff that doesn't matter. It was a turning point where I really did not care what people thought.
0: I was so proud of of it
1: because it came out and there were some people that were mad about it and they were offended by it and they were this about it. And I just was able to actually walk away from it and be still proud of myself and not change how I felt because other people felt a certain way. You know, we're so exposed and generally like I just sort of echo what other people's sentiments are about stuff that I'm in. And I, for the first time I was like, no, I, I'm, I'm proud of it. And I can't say that about a lot of things. <laughs> I really can't. I'm, I'm actually really proud of it.
0: Oh, I thought you were creating it. And it was like maybe the beginning, I, I could be forgetting something, but I think it was the beginning of what in some ways has been the kind of character who people, you know, people have like a screen persona that they talk about. It doesn't mean that they always play parts that are exactly like that or that conform to that, but it does seem like you've played a lot of since then funny characters who are hustlers of one sort or another right through to buffalo and that's that's not a bad i mean it's it's you we can go through any actor and find patterns in their career but i think do you see that was there something about the way you played that, that, you know, people liked it and they're like, we got to find other things like this for her.
1: I think I would be remiss to not acknowledge that because my mom who's an actress. I think she came up at a time and she got a little pigeonholed with being America's sweetheart, beautiful and sweet and loving and sexy and all these things. And so I think inherently I wanted to go the complete opposite, you know, instead of being sweet and cute, I wanted to be like, fuck you, Mm -hmm. pay me vibes, not like me, but like the characters, characters, um, but also, please, somebody. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, please, I'm begging you guys. Uh, please, pay no. please pay me. Yeah, it's time. No, no, no. Uh, um,
0: but so you think. So I
1: think that there was something in that, yeah. in that I witnessed her being pigeonholed in that way. And yeah. so I wanted to go the opposite. And I think, in a lot, of also, there's no plan or traject or I want to be this, or I want to be a movie or that or whatever. Like I want to do this for the rest of my life. So how do I do that? How do I show people that I can do, I can do whatever you want me to do. I can, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I, I can, it's almost like I'm building like an arsenal of just yeah. bizarre, weird characters, and and I, okay, I'll be a character actor, I'll be a leading lady, or I'll be this or whatever. You, I can do it all, yep. and I'm just trying to equip myself with a great defense. So when yeah. <laughs> when I'm in my, you know, whatever, and they're like, I don't know if she can do it. Well, Look I- at this one right here.
0: <laughs> I have done a blowjob movie ha- before. I have the proof.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well. Yeah. I
0: mean, I don't want in any way that to be interpreted as saying like, that's the thing you do and not, but because the next, even that same year, 2017 is the year of spectacular men, which is a totally different thing. I mean, you're very funny in this also, but you sort of took a backseat in a way, almost a supporting part for a showcase that written by your sister and starring her directed by your mom. And basically, I don't know if it's semi-autobiographical or what it feels like it rings true for no
1: no it's not but we all but the thing what was, what was cool about that movie is that we all gave each other jobs that nobody else was going to give us like yeah i wanted to produce who's going to give a 22 year old an opportunity to produce if they're not you know what i mean they're, why would anyone do yeah. that and my mom nobody was giving my mom an opportunity to direct a movie and nobody was giving my sister an opportunity to star and write and do the music so we were like let's give each other these jobs yeah. let's lift each other up and I learned so much in how much I love producing and- um, What
0: are some of the, for somebody listening who doesn't really know the business and what what would those responsibilities entail?
1: It's interesting. Producing is such a a large title. It can be, it can mean a lot of different Mm -hmm. things. It can mean finding money. It can mean creatively like you're the person that's working with the right note wise there. It can mean, I think a great producer is somebody who there's no task too big or too small. They'll be the person who's like, Oh, the actor who's uh, flying in from New York is staying in this. We'll find them there. Airbnb, we go to the Airbnb and the shower curtain's not working. It's like, I'll hang the shower curtain, but I'll also be like, I'll call, you know, Ted Sarandos and I'll be like, watch this. It's good. You know, like there's, no task too big or too small. I think that's that's what, it, uh, um, in my experience, mm-hmm. a great producer um, is. They're yeah. like e- everything with movie making. If you can s- push ego aside and just everybody is there to service the greater good of the project.
0: I mean, what was the bu- budget? Must have been nothing. <laughs>
1: it's less than. Yeah, it was not. It was nothing. It was nothing, and we shot it in so many different states, and it was so. I mean. I promised I would never ever ever let anybody shoot anything in my home just and no one should ever let anybody yeah, shoot anything yeah. in their home it's an it's a very bad idea <laughs> I had to shoot in my home uh, for this one
0: well I my two cents I thought flower and that were it's like wait a minute this is even though it's a smaller part for you like that was a demanding emotionally kind of all over the place part you had to, you had to come in a million different times and literally show up and be and sort of be funny when it, I, I remember the thing about saying to your sister, like, yeah, we'd love for you to come live with us. And you remember to flush when you poop. Something. <laughs> something but like,
1: like, that, like yeah. it was very the
0: timing. <laughs> that's where I realized you have great comedic timing. Okay. So which brings us to set it up. So Netflix doesn't release their viewership information, but everything I've heard, and I have a lot of friends who work there and I've read other people's t- like, apparently this was a phenomenon on the service. I, is that what your understanding is too, right? Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah. uh, Yes.
0: And so this was the thing that we were saying a minute ago. They didn't even want you in. You guys get there, and
1: also nobody was nobody wanted to make rom com. No actor was like dying to do rom coms. It It was was like a they did terribly. They were frowned upon. They Mm -hmm. were like kind of looked at as they were tack. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we but it was were- one of the best scripts I'd ever read. I yeah. mean, it is. It, I just I mean, Katie Silberman obviously has gone on to, you know, do Booksmart and other amazing things. And she's truly, 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 truly brilliant. Yeah. But I I I had never read a writer who's wor- who it just felt like she was writing for me. I was reading the script and I was like, this is written for I've never felt that like I couldn't I was reading it. I couldn't stop myself from reading it out loud, which is usually a clear indication that I'm like, I got to put me in, coach, um, when I'm just like already trying to, you know, figure out the rhythm and the tone. But yeah, it wasn't like a cool thing to make rom-coms. No. And it was surprising. It was surprising. We were all very surprised. Well, Claire
0: Scanlon, the director, has said that part of the concern about casting you was that the part was written to be 28 and you were 22. And I guess they tailored it a little bit to meet in the middle. I think they made the character 25 or something, but I don't know if that is something that the audience even thinks about. I mean, it just, it either works or doesn't because of the chemistry, which was definitely there, which is interesting because just to go to the next thing, I mean, only because you've talked about this, you have basically said you have never actually been involved with Glenn Powell, like romantically. Is that correct? Because it's so believable. It's crazy, (laughs) the chemistry. And I know everybody says that, right? To you. uh huh. (laughs) So,
1: yeah, no, I mean, you know what? Chemistry is a really weird thing.
0: So how do you explain it? I've
1: made movies with people that I'm in, (laughs) it's like a six year long relationship with and I don't have good chemistry with them. It's a very, it's a weird, I can't explain it sometimes people have chemistry on screen and they, and sometimes they don't, it's just inexplicable. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, yeah.
0: And, um,
1: but no, Glenn and I are not dating. So if that's what you're, <laughs> no, I, no, I don't mean, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
0: I'm no. Um,
1: <laughs> and we weren't, so we're, no.
0: Right. No, but it's, an, that's a very, that's not an easy thing to people like dismiss sometimes rom-coms as like fluffy or whatever, but that's to do a good one is not easy. I would think clearly, or they would do more. Yeah. But, um, (laughs) and actually the thing that I, since I rewatched that one, I can't stop. I had to go track down and I asked my podcast producer, do me a favor here and find a way to rip the audio of the slowed down version of come go with me for when you guys inhale the pizza, because pizza has never seemed, uh, sexier than in, in (laughs) set it up. So anyway,
1: I ate so much pizza. Okay. Well, Glenn was eating gluten-free pizza that the whole movie. Okay. Really quickly. (laughs) I am always eating and everything always, and I'm a. High, I prepare so much from for I like I'm the type of pretentious, dickhead actor that's like chooses animals for each character, like even you know silly com. Like I always am do, my prep work. Like I'll show you my binder for yeah, like please. this is this is this is what my binder looks like for things that I work with. Wow. You know, it's just like so stupid and pretentious and like hey, obsessed with process, and I love it all. Whatever. That being said, every part I've ever played. Everyone's like, I love how much they eat. I'm like, no, 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 no bitch. That's just because I'm always hungry. And was Set It Up, yeah. Netflix had this budget for food that never before <laughs> are these tiny movies had. So I was like, every day, like, mm, I think Harper will be eating Bar Pitti today. $50 bolognese. Um, I think, like, just so, so obsessed. And so for yeah. the pizza scene, I was like, mm, I want to do Joe's pizza. And Glenn had gluten free pizza. And I ate so much. I did throw up. I did throw up. I did throw up. And then he had to be very close to me. And maybe oh, that's why God. we've never dated. <laughs> and just circle back on that question right. if uh, we've right. ever. Sorry, Glenn. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: No, that was, that's a lot of fun, that movie. And I'm sorry I was late to catching up on it. But <laughs> so while you were doing Set It Up, I believe, is when you heard about the politician. Is that right? No.
1: When did you get a when did
0: you get a script for the first time?
1: For the politician. No. No. What was I working No,
0: it was Buffalo that you got. Right. Well, well Yeah, I read Buffalo
1: when I was shooting the uh, when I was shooting set it up and then I started to, you know, that that was the ju- begin the journey of yeah. making getting that movie made. But I don't know. I was I just remember that I was in New York when I was sent The Politician. And I and I was sent it for uh, Astrid, for the part that Lucy plays. Right. And. Lucy Boynton. Um, and then Ben I, Ben had gone to the premiere of Flower. And then the next day, there was... Sorry, I'm trying to piece it all together. Yeah. And then the next day, I had an audition with him. It was like a 12-page...
0: Did you know him before that?
1: No, not really. Because
0: you guys but seem like we're, best friends.
1: Yeah. He has become, like, truly one of my nearest and dearest who says nearest and dearest? That's How old that's my that's ninety good. years old? What is that? Yes, he's one of my best <laughs> friends. What the fuck just happened? Um uh goes on a podcast for twenty minutes, turns into a ninety year old.
0: <laughs> Gertrude. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um well I I remember back in the day. Um uh okay I came to the to the premiere of flower and then the next day I had this really intense audition where I was playing some some crazy bipolar something I was crying hysterically I didn't get the part but he from that moment on was like I really want to find something to work with you on I really want to find something to work with you on and he called me and he was like did you read the politician and I was like yeah I did and he was like what do you think about infinity and i was like i had only read the pilot so the only only co- i only had the two scenes mm-hmm. that she's in in the pilot and i was like i don't know i don't understand what is it i don't get and he <laughs> kind of gave me he tipped me off a little bit as to where the character's going yeah. and what kind of character and world this is and then i i was sold and i was like all right let me get Ryan to read me let me see if i can squeeze my way into an audition Cause but- i just
0: want to tell listeners this is the first big project Ryan Murphy signed a huge thing to go to netflix this is the first thing I think that's come out that he's done there. And so everybody had a lot riding on this, including, you know, it's a first impression for him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So okay. and I had just saw, like when I read this, I had just Started to like get everything organized and ready to shoot Buffaloed, which is right. a movie that I'm I've been on a war path to yes. make happen. I love this part. I love this project. I love the writer. I loved everything about it. I love this director we had hired, and um we had like signed the lease for the for the production office in Toronto, and then I read the politician. and They were going to go at the exact same time, and I was like, what do I do? I can't. And my agents were like, Zoe, come on, yeah. really. But the problem was is that I had to basically drop out of Buffalo, even just to audition for Ryan because he, he wanted you to do a test deal
0: which is what a pretty extensive thing.
1: Yeah, it's like a, you know, like essentially like if you audition then and you get it, then You're your, your deal is already yeah. done. Yeah. And I I was like, you guys, and, they were, and I was like, you can't just ask him if I can audit and we can make it work and they were like, "No. We're not going to call Ryan and not only does he not even want you, yet you have an audition <laughs> be like, you have to work around her dates." Right. So, so my agent said no. Right. And so I said, "Actually, I talked to Glenn. Glenn had worked with him and he was like, "Zoe, he responds very well to directness. Just be direct. Yeah. So I I could probably pull up the email. I like emailed him this long thing being like, I want so badly to audition for you, give you the opportunity to see if I'm right for your vision, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be able to come for the first month. I need to shoot this movie. I, I can't let these people down. And the next day I got a call that was like, yes, you can fly to New York and audition for him. And with so, that
0: understanding.
1: Yeah, which was it's such a testament to how, yeah. again, he really, if you're just like direct. Anyway, I'm very grateful. And yeah. so I I, um, I shot Buffalo, landed, next day came to L.A. and sh- started shooting the politician. And they're both such big, weird, wild characters, yeah, yeah. you know, in Buffalo. I'm playing this money hungry, um, obsessed with getting out of her blue collar existence, kind of like a, like, again, like a blue collar small town female wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Like <laughs> um and then I went and did the politician, which is this uh, you know, she's a a chameleon of sorts. Mm-hmm. She's sick and diminutive and her psychology has been trapped at seven by her grandmother. So I you know, very large larger than life characters with weird voices and
0: <laughs> well I was gonna outfits. say like when you do something like you know, you're, you're doing the role of infinity and you know, that's going to have a huge audience and it's, you're with a lot of other very talented actors and you have to do something so out on a limb as like the baby voice, for instance, or the wearing a bald cap or whatever stuff that, you know, if somebody hasn't seen you before, this is going to be, you know, it's just, it's a big, big choice. Is that scary to dive all in on?
1: No, no, no! It's fun. It's a character, you know that yep. that when you have stuff to do, it's fun. It's not scary. It's when you have nothing to do that it's scary. When you're left hanging, like when you have nothing to do or nothing to there's no when you're playing somebody that
0: you have to flesh it out, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's again going back to what we were saying before, yeah. which is that when you're not playing like a full human, that's when it's hard.
0: Yeah. Um, the per- person who you have probably the most scenes. With, I think, even more than Ben is Jessica Lang, mm-hmm. two time Oscar winner Jessica Lang. You've said a few other interviews that there were some very specific things that you've kind of internalized from watching her work. What are the most valuable of those?
1: I think the first thing that comes to mind is her confidence in silence, in taking time in between words and filling it with her langness. Um, (laughs) I, I, you know, I have younger sibling syndrome. I have, I talk fast, maybe because I don't feel like my words carry worth or meaning or whatever. Um, I talk fast. I act fast. You know, I do all these things to try to keep people entertained and engaged out of fear that I'm what, not enough. We all feel that way in some capacity, maybe not, probably, I don't know. Can't speak <laughs> for you, can speak for me, but I just loved that watching, you know, somebody with that much talent and experience and confidence just mm-hmm. take a breath. Yeah.
0: Yeah. it's really, no, it's interesting because do you think that any actor can, get away with their own pacing like that? Or is it because you have to earn that being nobody's going to fuck with Jessica playing? I,
1: I didn't know this, but apparently I was fucking with her and <laughs> maybe that's why she liked me. But I, Ryan told me in the story that like, apparently, cause I, even though I like prep really hard, I, I play, like I play, I really do. I, I just go for wild shit mm-hmm. and I like, and apparently Ryan was like, and there's a scene in the pilot where I'm, where we're in the, in, um, Olive Garden and I like shoved a breadstick oh, in my yeah. mouth and we started doing an improv about it. And Ryan said, he looked to the script supervisor, like, should I stop? So like, is that Jessica going to get mad? Like, should I stop her? And, um, <laughs> cause he thought I was fucking with her, which I totally wasn't, Great. but we, I'm glad she didn't think that I was because yeah. we developed a really a wonderful friendship and, um, it's one of the my favorite. Yeah, it's like one of my she's hilarious. one of my favorite, just my favorite people yeah. in general. Yeah. But um, I guess I I didn't mean to fuck <laughs> with her. No.
0: OK, so that first season began rolling out. And I think in between that and this weekend with Buffalo was Zombieland. Double tap.
1: Zombieland. 10
0: years after the first. The that's The most a, a, fun
1: I've ever had ever shooting a movie. Ever. A lot of other
0: young actors, right? Same crew from the first one. Yeah. So that's Emma, Jesse, who else?
1: Woody Harrelson Woody Har- oh, and Abigail Breslin.
0: Right. So that was a big studio movie that comes out in between these two things. And then this weekend, this past weekend, Buffalo, I don't know, it wasn't in that many theaters yet, but it's done tremendously. Like reviews have been almost uniformly, I think, great New York Times critics pick, all kinds of other stuff. You know, you passingly mentioned this a few minutes ago, but like, it's not like a four hire job where you just show up and not that you ever just phone it in, but like you, you had to talk about how early on you were involved with this right through to this moment.
1: Yeah. From the very, very beginning. I read it and um, I started working with Brian Saka on the script a little. And then with Brooke Davies, who's the producer and Elizabeth Grave and Mason Novick. And then, you know, try to find our director and find the money, found the money. Now we have our director. Now it's, you know, it's it was four, three and a half years, three, three. Yeah. Something like that of just um, getting it made, which is a real hustle. But um, you
0: remember the budget?
1: I do. I'm not supposed to say no. it, but it was very small. I figure, no. <laughs> I, do, I do think it's funny when I go to Q&As or when I go to festivals. I'm sure you experience this all the time with filmmakers, where it's almost like it starts to be like people brag about how little yes. money they had. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you only had a million? Well, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I literally have this, we do this panel at AFI Fest called the Indie Contenders panel every year. Yeah, I yeah, go yeah. right down the line and I'm like, all right, how many days? And, and they like, your like, I had budget? a piece of floss, that's pretty much
1: two <laughs> shoes, and my dog. That's it. That's all really. I had. Carrie really.
0: Washington won this year because they did for Netflix the film version of her Broadway show, American Son. And I think they did it in like three days because they just shot the, oh. the show. It was insane. But that's the only t- amount of time they'd have. Anyway, it's a tangent. So Buffalo... Why were you so passionate about it? Was it
1: a- I just loved the part. I loved ultimately also that it's a, it's a she goes against typical feminine expectations. She she embodies a feminist ideal. She is refusing to exist in the way that her mom or the other women in her in her life have been and she she wants financial independence. Which is something that I can mm-hmm. I can relate to at a very young age. I was obsessed with being financially independent. My I remember having to ask my my parents for money for a birthday present for my sister when I was like six and it was the worst. I was like so disgusted by myself. But one of the interesting things that I've, the, the interesting gifts of kind of, you know, learning the producerial huh? side of it is that it's just made me, a, I think, a better performer. Like one of the things that's such a, it's so interesting about acting is that like, you know, your kitchen backwards and like, right. You know, if you, if you closed your eyes and someone was like, go find the right. fork or go find the, you know, the garlic salt from. 30 years ago that you still have, like you would be able to find it, right? Right. You know, your kitchen as an actor, you don't get to be in your space. You don't get to be in that kitchen in that scene until like 10 minutes before. Usually, unless you're working with like Richard Linklater where he brings you to the space or whatever, right? generally speaking, you don't get to, but when you're producing and you're scouting and you get like, I had the gift of being able to have access to those things and those spaces and my kitchen. And then I loved it. Like, I think all those details, all those, those, um, little things, they just, they make me a, a better performer. I'm, I'm better with more information than, than less for sure. And I love it. I really do. And
0: a lot of good but those actors little... in there with you. I, Judy Career's always Judy. stood out and yeah. Um, okay. So wrapping up, looking forward, um, I'm quitting. You're quit. This is your final. Yeah, uh, I wanted to say goodbye of- <laughs> to Hollywood.
1: I I take back what I said earlier, right. which is that um, you never give up. I am right. giving up. Right. Uh, but I thank you for the free <laughs> boxed water. It's been good, it's been Hollywood real. reporter.
0: No, but all right. So. There's Thank you for
1: the nice reviews and <laughs> the bad ones, too.
0: <laughs> we're going to go track down the people. I literally that...
1: know every person here. I'm so psychotic, <laughs> you guys. To anyone listening, I'm unwell. I read every every tweet, every comment. I was saying earlier that the greatest day of my life was when the IMDb message boards were taken yes. down. Anyone who says that they don't, they're lying. Okay, well, let's anyway. talk
0: about IMDb for a second because let's according IMDb. to IMDb, you have, and I know it's been reported elsewhere... The one upcoming project that's listed, at least on the non-IMDb Pro, which I have not logged into recently, is something called Most Dangerous Game. Who might that involve as you do (laughs) gymnastics with your eyebrows? eyebrows.
1: Uh, Katie Silberman, who wrote Set It Up, Mm -hmm. and Booksmart, and Glenn Powell, who... um, you never dated. Who I never dated. Yeah. Sounding suspiciously like I did now that we've mentioned it a bunch, <laughs> but I haven't. Or have I?
0: Have you? Well, so this is not the same characters from no. Set It Up? No. It is a rom-com though. Yes. Did you ever talk about a sequel directly to Set It Up?
1: Yeah. I think if there was, it would it would be further down the line. So it could happen. It could, but it's not this. Not
0: on the books. No. So what, can you tell us anything about this?
1: It's called The Most Dangerous yes. Game. <laughs> it's a rom-com and it's not a sequel to set it up.
0: And it's going to be on Netflix mm-hmm. in 2020 or 2021, I think. I saw it listed both numbers at different places, so I don't know.
1: 2021.
0: 2021. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got The Politician still yeah, season two. I'm
1: uh, flying back tomorrow. Tomorrow. To shoot How that.
0: far into it are you?
1: We're Almost done.
0: Almost done. Wow. Uh-huh. Last question. If the rest of your career had to resemble that of someone else who came before you, whose would you most want it to resemble?
1: Oh my gosh, this is hard. Reese Witherspoon, Reese Witherspoon, or Catherine Hepburn. (laughs) (laughs) But obviously if I didn't say that, then I would be banned from (laughs) all actor land in general. Um,
0: What about, I just want to mention a name that comes up a lot when people have talked about or written about, just again, that screen persona. It's sort of like, I think embodied with set it up where it's like, I will not be defeated. It seems like that's the common theme with a lot of these characters that and it can be played for comedy, can be played for drama. But if that's the screen persona, the thing that person who comes up a lot is Lucille Ball. Now, it doesn't mean you want to do TV.
1: No, no, no. I mean, of course, she's the greatest of all time, for sure. For sure.
0: But it is a rare thing to be able to. I mean, so do your friends like just out in life think you're are you funny in real life?
1: No, I'm not, I'm no, I don't think, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) What if I was like, yeah, Yeah, I'm fucking hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty much, no. Uh, Also Emma Stone, I think Emma Stone has the best career and she's just such an asshole. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> She's such a, an amazing person. And right. she like smells good too, which is great. It's important. She really does smell good. Um, not that I'm like always checking, but usually like, you you're know, You're sniffing no. <laughs> a lot of, what was,
0: it was in, um, Buffalo you're, Do I, where, or was it, who's um, cause I've watched again, a lot of these in a very short amount of time. So they're starting they're to blur. All melding together. But I'm, um, was it flower or Buffalo where you're, I think it's Buffalo. You're like kind of sniff a few different times somebody's shirt
1: totally possible
0: while you hug them totally possible why would that i think
1: the animal was a bear
0: oh so that might maybe
1: it was doing something like that i don't know i forget these things but (laughs) told you i'm a psychopath it's
0: very uh olfactory that's Uh, the word
1: right
0: (laughs) (laughs) um anyway thank you so much for doing this and uh fun to chat thank you
1: so much for having me
0: Thanks very much for tuning in to Awards Chatter. We really appreciate you taking the time to do that and would really appreciate you taking a minute more to subscribe to our podcast for free on iTunes or your podcast app and to leave us a rating as well. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can reach me via Twitter at twitter.com slash Scott Feinberg. And you can follow all of my coverage between episodes at thr.com slash the race. Finally, be sure to check out the other podcasts that are part of the Hollywood Reporters Podcast Network. All of which are excellent. Leslie Goldberg and Daniel Feinberg's TV's Top Five, Seth Abramovich and Chip Pope's It Happened in Hollywood, Carolyn Giardina's Behind the Screen, and Josh Wiggler's Series Regular. On behalf of all of us at the Hollywood Reporter, thanks for tuning in. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.